before you, I didn't know anything about publishing and rights and mm-hmm. how much Spotify pays you for a million streams and how much does Spotify pay for a million streams? Yeah. So Spotify pays roughly about dollars per million streams. Okay. Apple Music, I believe, is like thousand per million. Whoa, that's a big difference. Yeah. R-O-T-N, let me present to you the Rotten Podcast. Rotten How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. And we're back for another episode, Rotten Episode 15. Woo! Woo! Love it. <laughs> Almost a 20. Almost, Almost but not, a 20. not even close. What's going on? Well, last week's episode was the Valentine's Day special. And this week we are filming this. We are kind of pre-filming this. Let's be honest here because we... It's not kind of. Yeah, we are. There's we no are reason to... We are definitely pre-filming this because we're going to be in Hawaii in a few days. Heyo. Um, but we would have already gotten back from Hawaii by the time you guys watched this. So if you guys haven't already, go follow us on Instagram, Matt Fine, Miss Tiffany Ma. Check out the thoughty, what is it, thirst traps we're posting up in Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you. You're not going to post any thirst traps? Oh, yeah. I'll be taking some thirst traps of Matt. Don't you worry now. Don't you worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alrighty, though. So, yeah, I'd love to just go into a little bit, like, right off the bat, just kind of talking about what are our plans for content, you know, what we're focused on this year outside of the NFT project and the podcast. You know, obviously, you have so many fans and subscribers that I'm sure they would love to just know a little bit more about what you're doing and more about your process as a content creator. And maybe a more specific question is when you say you don't know what you're doing, do you have a structure or? I wish I could tell you that I pre-plan and I do this X, Y, Z and every January I do this and every February I do this, but I used to have that where in February it was Valentine's Day. So all my content would be about Valentine's Day, the month leading up to it, right? And for Christmas, the month leading up to it would be all Christmas. And then Black Friday would be the month leading up to Black Friday. But I think over the last, um, I would say like three or four years, I've gotten way more comfortable posting content about myself that it doesn't need to heavily rely on like these tentpole times Mm. um, where it needs to be like Valentine's Day DIY. But now I just, I look at tentpoles as like things that are happening in my life. Like when we go to Hawaii, Mm -hmm. FYI, we leave in like seven days. I will be filming a how much money I spent in Hawaii because I think that's so fun. And for me, I love finances and I love learning about what people are spending money on. Um, So you've just kind of you've shifted over the past years since you've had success to just making more content that you like to make because that's what it sounds like, right? Is that safe to say? Or I mean, I I used to feel like I had to film content just so that I could put out content. And, you know, my managers are definitely fighting me on that, that I need Mm. to post more content. But to me, it doesn't feel as genuine anymore. I don't care to post content unless I genuinely want to post things. Um, And I used to share like everything in my life. And my friends used to joke with me that like I would be the girl that showed like my baby coming out of my fucking uterus and I remember they would always say that and I'd be like I actually wouldn't 
But I could see why they would say that because at that point I, I would was, think you would want to do that, which is why I'm like no cameras in the. Oh, we're definitely filming. We're just not posting anything. Yeah, yeah. Of what course. do you mean? Um, I definitely used to share a lot more, and now I've become a lot more guarded, and I've become a lot more private of a person. And I definitely want to get back to that point where I feel like I'm opening up about everything that's going on in my life. But last year, I so heavily focused on our NFT project, aka Rotten, mm-hmm. um, Runaways of the Neverworld. If you never heard of it, go check it out on OpenSea.io. Um, but over the last year, I've been working on the house as well. And finally finished up that project right now we're in the middle of selling it and i definitely want to work on another real estate project but financially i cannot do that until it sells Mm -hmm. so i'm going to be so excited when that sells but in the meantime the content i post is just very much about things i'm genuinely interested in at the moment and there's been this like huge huge push on tiktok for content revolving around like get ready with me's and so i don't know if you noticed like earlier today i filmed like a get ready with me yeah i saw that and those have been really fun because i pair that with story times but enough about me i realize i don't love no well i do want to talk more about you because i feel you don't share enough and there's you've had such a good amount of success that i think a lot of people are interested fascinated by and can learn from you know when we did the episode about confessions of a YouTuber. I feel like we got really good feedback and from other people, you know, that's sort of my gauge is like, what are good episodes is when the people around me, my friends, my family are giving me that feedback, you know, and they were really fascinated by your journey and what you, what you're doing with your life. Because I think when you started out as a content creator, it was probably a little bit more taboo. And as the years have progressed since the past decades become Almost like the most glamorized job that I'm sure every single teen wants to have. You know what was so funny? I wasn't judged doing it when I was in high school. Because I started, I believe, like midway through junior year of my high school. The first time I realized that someone who was being fake to me in front of my face actually was low-key judging me for it was when I was going through sorority rush at UCLA. And um, I went to a house called Kappa Kappa Gamma, where the girl was like, oh, you make YouTube videos? That's so cool. And I remember the Mm. way she was saying things to me felt so off. And I was like, this girl thinks it's so not cool. I mean, imagine the content that gets filmed in that sorority today. Oh my God. Everyone probably- That's how they do Rush, uh is like making sure they post social media content. Oh, wow. Because Instagram wasn't even a thing when I went through Rush. Right. This was 2011. This is when Instagram just started. I'm so fucking old. I'm turning 30, guys. Um, When I went through Rush, Instagram was not a thing. YouTube was a thing, but not even a thing thing. It was like kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But now I see- literally sororities making content on their ucla kappa kappa gamma ucla kappa delta um pages TikTok and, stuff, pages yeah. and are hoping to go viral so that when they do go through rush oh. girls can go oh i remember them they went viral wow. for xyz yeah that's a crazy incentive that's got to be super unhealthy i also was on the other side of rush after it was you know um a pnm aka a potential new member when i got initiated and was become was an active member we would actually stalk everyone on Facebook, not Instagram. But now it's yeah. they're stalking you on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, wherever they can find information on you. And I think my biggest downfall when I was going through Sorority Rush was that my name on my Rush card was Mama. They put my name as Mama. Like my first name was Ma, my last name was Ma. So my literal name, and I had to tell every single house, my real name is Tiffany. I don't know why it's called Mama. But like, I think that's memorable. Everyone low key. No, everyone was like, this girl's name is so weird. And that was like things I would judge people on. Yeah. Because I will say going through sorority rush is so toxic. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. And I was on that toxic side where I would judge people hardcore for like the dumbest things. And as I've gotten older and I'm not 20 freaking one anymore, I'm like, wow, like that was so unhealthy. Yeah. I didn't even think about how I'm sure the girls or even boys, right. With like the bigger followings probably have way more options for Greek life. And I hate talking about Greek life because it's so foreign to me and it's something I would never do in my entire but life. But it's a part of our love story because we had our first kiss in front of Kappa Delta. Yeah. And you kind it's of true. Loki hate that. I'm no, sure. no, I don't care. It's you know, it definitely was out of a movie, but it's so far from anything You're I would do. To. Like when you say potential new member or something, that just makes me be like, that sounds like disgusting to That's me that people literally, you know, judge you and analyze you and decide almost in this like very high school way if we're gonna allow this person in our club. But Oh, um as an active member, we kind of judge people on how much how much money their family came from. And Ooh, that's this up. was how we did this was by asking them what they did over the summer. Mm. So if they worked over the summer, they didn't have money. And I get it. I get it to the point where you don't want PNMs entering your sorority and then realizing how expensive it is and then dropping out because that, what a waste. That's like a wash, right? So you want to make sure they can afford it. But to the point where like, you were like, oh, like, did you go on vacations this summer? Where'd you guys go? Did you guys go to Italy? Or did you go to Mexico? Did you go to Canada? Like, where'd you go? Was it like just like another state, like Arizona or something? Okay, we don't care about you. But if you went to like out of the country, okay, like your parents have money to be able to afford to be in a sorority. Or if you had to work all summer, okay, like mm, it might be a little bit more hard for you to afford the sorority. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, we literally sent girls to collections. And so money was a huge factor in the sorority and me being the treasurer of my sorority. And I don't know how we got to this topic and we can go back to like the content creator because this is the furthest thing from content creating. But when I was the vice president of finance, AKA the treasurer, I just had a fancy title. (laughs) I would send girls to collections if they didn't pay their dues. I would send girls to collections if they didn't pay their dues. That is an insane sentence to me, and I refuse to do it. My advisor would always be like, Tiffany, you didn't send their monthly um, like notice that they didn't pay. Because you have to send three in a row for them to actually go to collections. And I would... I'd be like, oh, I forgot. Oh, like, oh yeah, I didn't know. Oh, like I'm talking to them right now. Like, and I would beg these girls to email me or talk to me and I'd be like, come just meet with me so that I can take off all these fees, your late fees, your um, fines. Cause you got fined if you missed a meeting, it was like 20 bucks to miss a meeting. It was 10, 10 or 15 bucks if you missed a dinner because we paid for your dinner. Um, your like t-shirts that you had to order from us. Like I will take everything off. Just like literally meet with me and these girls would be refused because they'd be scared to be sent to collections or even have this conversation with me. Yeah, that's terrible. We can honestly dedicate a whole fucking episode about sorority life. I would love to dedicate an entire episode to Greek life because I know nothing about it. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who would want to know all the juicy details and... I don't know, probably can relate to it. I just can't. You I know. know, I know. I, I definitely have a following that was in Greek life. But that goes to show um, that was the first time I got judged for being a content creator was going through freaking rush. And I know it's a, it's not something they judge, judge people anymore. Even in 2018, it felt new and there wasn't that many people doing it. doing it as nearly at the rate that it is now. Now it's so normal to be filming yourself and it, you have... You wouldn't question someone that walks in with the camera today, but back four or five years ago, you would. You'd be like, what is that person doing with the camera filming themselves? Mm-hmm. And like to have that confidence is crazy. Oh, it takes like a to lot have of that confidence. confidence back then versus now is such a big difference. It like takes picking a lot up, of giving, not giving a shit. Yeah. And picking up a camera now isn't nearly what it was, like I said, five years ago. 
And like, what do you think for people who are aspiring to be maybe content creators? What are things that you see from new creators that stand out to you that they're doing well? This sounds so stupid, but good lighting. Mm. <laughs> Uh, you're just not going to make it if you don't have good lighting in your videos. Um, but some things that you can do to like establish not just a following, but a cult following are things like being slightly polarizing. Mm -hmm. I think sharing your opinions is like the best way for people to get a following um, and sharing stories about yourself. I yeah. think there are a lot of content creators that feel very guarded and you're like, I actually don't know anything about them. And you don't form that connection with them, which is why YouTube vloggers was like a huge sensation that happened. Yeah. All these YouTube vloggers can literally sell you anything versus like someone that doesn't typically share about their lives probably couldn't sell you many things. You probably follow them because they have a cool aesthetic, but would you really buy something they were promoting? Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, when you share and connect with people more and they're really connected to you and they feel like they know you, they're going to trust you way more because that's just, you know, transparency. For you, I mean, because you're a musician, how do you go about content creating? Because I feel like for you, you don't even like to share clips or anything about yourself. I talk to you about this quite often where you want to kind of stay like this mysterious figure but is that helpful or negative to your career as a musician i mean that's a really good question and that's also what i was going to say because that is something that has been hard for me you know i feel like there's so many things that people don't know about me or even know about me in my music journey because i guess for for me as an artist i've always wanted it to just come out in my music i've always like kind of told myself that I want to be good enough as an artist to have people learn about me through my art rather than me telling people because that's what I value in good artists that I love. Like I feel like with J. Cole or Frank Ocean or some of the artists that I really value, there are very mysterious and I feel like I'm learning about them through their music. That's true to some extent, but these artists also go on PR runs where they're talking mm -hmm. to the news they're doing genius lyrics where they actually break down their lyrics and are able to share why they wrote this specific line here here and here which makes people fall in love with them even more like mm -hmm. troy savon and him like breaking down the lyrics on genius i was like wow like i love the song even more i relate to it even more so i almost feel like with you because you're not at that level yet that you want to get at you should still be able to share these other intimate things because that's what big artists are doing Ariana i think Grande it's I, no sharing. i think it, it it is different and especially in rap and hip-hop you know i think it is different for sure and ultimately where but, i'm going with it is that things have changed where now the artists that i love so much most of them are artists that come from a different era where social media wasn't a way to build and it was more traditional you get a record deal because you got noticed and then now you you have that mysteriousness to it where you do feel separated from the fan. There is that you got to go pick up the CD. You, the only way you're going to see them is if you go on tour, you know, and catch a show or do a meet and greet or something like that. But culture has shifted so much. And that's where I find myself being in an interesting situation where I do want to share more and figure out what the balance of sharing things in my life is. And that is something I struggle with because I think even with artists, there is something about them being too available. Like who? I don't know. It's all about like the identity of the artist. I would say in today's day and age, it's hard to see an artist that's not sharing a lot, that's finding success. You either need to be like one of a kind talent and be able to cultivate people loving you for that, or you need to just be like grinding and building your, building your audience out. And maybe it's not so black and white, but in the past I have been like, you know what? I just want to prioritize my art in my identity to it over anything else yeah i actually saw a comment recently where a girl said that her ringtone is lost in you no way by you yeah <laughs> yeah i love that that's amazing um this is a song that matt made me for our my birthday the first year we were dating and it was the cutest birthday present <laughs> i've ever gotten yeah um but i think you're so talented if you guys listen to our little jingle that happened within like the first 30 seconds of this podcast you guys know how talented matt is like that is always stuck in my head and i've seen so many comments mm -hmm. being like that that jingle's amazing and yeah i think i've had to make the shift very more so intentionally this year 
I wanted to put myself out there more and be more vulnerable and step out of my comfort zone because me sitting down and talking for an hour is the opposite of anything I've ever done before. But I do want to try something new to get something I've never gotten. So that's like one piece of it. Yeah, I'm working towards finishing up a bunch of stuff and I can be making a ton of content around it. But for me, it's so hard to share. And this is where I struggle because I know I need to share the stuff that I'm working on. Like my thought is really hard for me to get over the fact that I put so much TLC into a song that when I want to deliver it to people, I want to give it to them on a silver platter where they're giving that they're getting that excitement for the first time. Like that to me is the most satisfying feeling in the world where I can share something with someone and they're having that reaction for the first time. And it's like, I put so much work into this music that it almost feels like I'm watering it down by just doing this by like sharing it before it's done. And that's probably the wrong way to think about it. Well, do you share snippets of it after it's done? Yeah. Cause I'm like, it's out. You can go listen to it and yeah. experience it. Are you scared that people will listen to a snippet and then not care to listen to the full thing? Like what's, what's stopping you from sharing snippets beforehand or is it cause it's not fully ready? I guess. Yeah. My one irrational thought is like, if I share a snippet, but the song isn't out, then if people are excited about it, then they can't go and listen to it. And so the next oh, time so they hear out it, on views. I'm missing out on the the emotion of hearing something for the first time and being like, holy fuck. Because that's always the response I'm trying to evoke from people is like, wow, that really connected or wow, that's like such a good beat or like a really great song. And so if I'm sharing it <laughs> from someone to someone and they can't go listen to it and they're like, they have that immediate response to hearing it for the first time. But, 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 but for me, I realize I don't love a song the first time I hear it. I start loving it the more I hear it. Mm-hmm. The more I hear the chorus, the more I understand what the person's saying. Yeah. Because maybe it's just me. Sometimes I, when I hear a song for the first time, I can't make out what people are saying. I'm just like yeah. listening to one part. Then the next time I hear it, I, I can hear the words more fluently. And that is the truth. And I think that that's honestly what it takes. And that's something... I've had to sort of work past just to come to terms with because I see so many artists, number one, do the thing that I've been saying, which is like kind of being a little bit more mysterious, mysterious, not that I'm mysterious, but like, you know, waiting until the song is out to really start pushing it or being too, too reserved in pushing it. And I see other artists from the side doing that. And I'm like, why are you not sharing it more? Why aren't you being more open? So I even know it myself. For example, there's this artist, Anise, who has blown up like crazy over the past couple of years. I'm sure a lot of people listening are like know who he is because he blew up on TikTok and he would literally post the same song over and over, like at least 50 to 100 times. He just continues and continues and continues to sing the same song over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And it gets people so excited for the release because they're like, I can't wait for it to be out, you know, so there is like that approach to it, which I do want to take. And I want to become such a better content creator to me is such a valuable skill set and how I can build a larger audience with my music that I haven't really tapped into. And I think having this conversation, I love because one, you're a content creator. And so you're always paying attention to the trends and what's happening. And then two, I'm so excited because I've been waiting to sort of enter this new phase in my life where I am putting out a lot of music and really going into content creation mode. And I'm not there yet because I'm still finishing up a couple of things that I want to start. And once I start, I want to keep the but momentum. That's, that's the that's the issue right there is you are saying you want to finish up some things before you even start content creating. But content creating is the entire process. As a viewer, I want to see the entire process. I want to see you making the beats, adding the vocals, messing up the vocals, changing, doing this, doing X, doing Y, doing Z, and being a part of that process. That's what makes people fall in love with what you're doing. And Jake, who is probably the From biggest- From State Farm? Yes. <laughs> Jake is probably- I don't know why that's- Sorry to cut you off again. I don't no, know why that's totally the fine. first place my mind went. Jake Every time State I hear Farm. Jake, it's just like, From State Farm? <laughs> uh, well, Jake, not from State Farm. Jake, not from State Farm, is probably the biggest artist that has come out of TikTok. Oh, I actually saw. I actually learned about him recently when I started doing more research and looking On at TikTok creators. and content creators. And I actually saw someone's literal video about if you want to make it in music as a content creator, 
he is like the ultimate example of he someone. Brings the fans into the entire process. And well, he has great reaction videos. A lot of it is the vulnerability in, you know, the piano teacher hearing it for the first time. His mom hearing it for the first time. Oh, it's those like, are all faked, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But it's that reaction that keeps people engaged. There's like different levels to content creation, right? Like one, you have to be captivating. You have to hook people in. You have to keep people there. And there needs to be a reason to watch it again, right? There needs to be like a, a little flow to the, to the piece of content, especially if it's music. Yeah. And he hits all of those because he brings you in. There's like this curious element to it. You're waiting for the drop. You know, that's some of the text. It's like, wait for the hook to come in. And then all this is happening. And then you see this person's reaction. And then it's this beautiful moment where you feel good about it. And you want to witness it again because it was it was like something to witness. Seriously, he is great at content creating. And if there's someone that is killing it as a musician, being a content creator at the same time, it's him. And I'm only drawing this parallel because I think it's so important for you as someone who is more focused on the finished product. Product, You have to realize that it's okay to be vulnerable and show the process while it's not perfect. Yeah, and that's probably sure. the best way to go about doing the entire thing. I need to break through that barrier. Because you just said, I, I want to finish a couple of things. And I'm like, no, 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 don't <laughs> finish it. Because then yeah. there's nothing to see. Show oh, that's the a process. part of it for sure. No, and I definitely need to continue to break through that barrier. And I'm getting pretty close. Like the other day, honestly, I just started sharing. Like, I'm not going to share my best stuff yet. Because yeah. I'm like, waiting. that's too sensitive for me right now. Um, but I started sharing stuff that I've been, that I've just had for a while. And I would have never done that, but it was actually on my birthday. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm just going to share like three songs that I've just been chilling on. And I'm like, I kind of need to actually almost share everything to break down that barrier. Like, okay, I've already shared it. So what is, what's, why would I not share it again? Or why, what would like hold me back from yeah. continuing? It's almost like Lil Wayne, I forgot when in his career, he got to a point where he wanted to stop writing things down. So what he did was everything that he ever had written down, he like recorded it and then he just burnt it. And then he like purged himself of everything he had ever written so that it's almost like... Like his diaries and everything? Yeah. Why? I'm pretty sure that's the story. I could be botching it. But something along the lines where he wanted to get better as an as a, as a lyricist and he had been doing it for so long that the next level is like not even writing, writing things down. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of takes sort of that mentality of which is one of my mantras for the year which is burn the boats it's just having an overcommitment where you're forcing yourself to do something kind of drastic because there's no other way around it and obviously me just sharing music isn't that dramatic but to me it feels that way well no i mean it even me as a listener i can see how vulnerable you are when you put out music and it's something that's really scary like for me this podcast is my way of being vulnerable, but it took me 10 years to get here. Yeah. But as an artist, you have to be vulnerable from day one. The second you release content, mm -hmm. it has to be vulnerable to actually. Because it's so polished. It's not like I have 20 minutes to explain my idea. It's like I have three minutes to get my story out and have it be polished. And that's the judgment of it. But also a good musician has people relating to them. And yeah. Having and to be relatable is vulnerable. And there are, of course, songs that are like not relatable at all. Like mm -hmm. I'm sitting on my Lamborghinis and blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But like for the most part, most music, and especially vulnerable. the music you make, is very vulnerable. And the music I enjoy is very vulnerable. Yes. I will say before I met you, I've had boyfriends who like write poems and like frap and stuff. And it's they're so bad. But you were the first person who I've ever heard say, I want to be a musician that I genuinely wholeheartedly believe in and i don't know if i've shared this story on the podcast i know i've shared it in like other content you've been in but the first time matt ever shared his music with me i was flabbergasted <laughs> i it was our fourth date where was it was it griffith observatory yeah i think that was okay. yeah fourth, fourth or fifth date, date. So Matt and I had known each other for, had gone on three dates already. This was our fourth date. I knew Matt was a white rapper and I low key, high key judged him for it, but I never said anything to him. I was just like, uh, I don't think this relationship can go further if he's not good at making music. Cause that is just an embarrassing conversation. Imagine if you started to fall in love with me and I played my music for you and it was awful. Yes. 
Yes. And at that point, I'm pretty sure I already fell in love with you because you didn't show it to me till after we went to Griffith Observatory. It was bef- on the way to the Griffith. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, well then oh, that helped. I, I think it was like, I need to like know his music before I fall in love with him. Okay. <laughs> so on the way to the Griffith Observatory, we're on like the side of a street. We're in our my car and I go, when am I going to listen to your music? Because at that point I was like, I haven't heard anything. I haven't stalked him. There was no music publicly out yet and i was like i cannot keep dating this man if i don't know his music and so matt takes the auxiliary cord he starts playing music and it's the radio and i'm just like patiently waiting for him to play his music and then i look over at him it's been like a minute and i go when are you gonna play your music and he looks at me he goes this is my song and i kid you not i was like this is no way like no freaking way I thought it was the radio. The The mixing was so clear. The vocals were clear. The beat was amazing. Do you remember what song it was that you played me? I think Ghosts? Pull Up. Pull Up? No, Ghosts. Ghosts or Pull Up. Yeah, one of Is, those, are those from songs, that era. Are both the songs out? Yeah. Um. Yes. Listen to Ghosts or Pull Up because those, are so, those were the two songs you showed me. And you've only gotten better since then, but... You were the first guy. I was like, oh, this guy can totally make it as a musician if he like kept at it. And... I didn't know how musicians even made money. And I think this would be a really cool part to hear about because before you, I didn't know anything about publishing and rights and Mm -hmm. how much Spotify pays you for a million streams and how much does Spotify pay for a million streams? Yeah. So Spotify pays roughly about $4,000 per million streams. Okay. Apple music, I believe is like 7,000 per million. Whoa. That's a big difference. Yeah. But they don't have nearly as many listeners. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's a free plan on Spotify and there's no free plan mm-hmm. on Apple, right? Yeah, but they factor that in. So you're really only getting the money you're getting from royalties is from paid listeners. But it's 4000 no matter if all your listeners are free people or not. No, no, no. It's It varies. It's not very, very concrete. Oh, it's not always I don't 4, think so, 000. no. So I just looked it up. Yeah. And it was exactly what I thought, which is it's between three... To $5,000 per million stream. And there's many different factors that go into that. One of them being like the location of where that listener is. Oh, that makes sense. The other is um, who you're distributing your music through, whether it be TuneCore, DistroKid, there's other platforms, which is a DSP, where you're actually uploading the song and they're taking that song and then they're distributing it to the different stores. So why aren't you on TuneCore versus DistroKid? Like, is are there differences between I the two? started off on TuneCore because that's all I knew at the time. Like, I'm just so comfortable with it because I've used it. and Plus I you have ties to TuneCore. Yeah, I have ties with TuneCore because I went through one of their artist accelerator programs like I got connected and they wanted to like work with me as when they started their program like mentoring and helping artists and stuff like that and I've since kept up a really good relationship with this woman Amy who's grown so much at the company since yeah and um I'm just yeah I'm loyal to TuneCore and I've tried other you know services just to test it out but I just it's just the way that it is and I'm kind of like stubborn on it because yeah. i want to see like a certain amount of money in my TuneCore account can i ask you what is the most amount of money you saw in your TuneCore account before you took it out like 30 grand probably that is so much money because you think you hear about like starving artists and stuff but like you did this for a year when you had that much no it wasn't account. a year was it more than that it was more than that and there was many years to get to that point. <laughs> but that was like a year and a half. Yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. for sure. Which is um, solid. I, yeah. You weren't doing this full time. You had your yeah, job at absolutely. Curate. And I was still like, I love all the music I have out and some of it's really good and some of it's good. But What's your favorite you've put out so far for Laws? I don't, I don't have a favorite. I Oz. have a favorite for yeah. Laws. That's a good one. Um, if you guys are listening to us on YouTube, I'm going to link some of my favorite songs yeah, from do Matt it. Fine down do below. It. And you guys can go subscribe to his account on YouTube, yeah. Matt Fine, and go freaking follow him on Spotify. Matt is not forcing me to say this stuff. I'm just saying it, but like he's She's, very good. There's a gun pointed to her head right yeah, now. Yeah, he's pointing see a gun. It. Yeah, so obviously through streaming, you can make money, yes. right? People don't realize that you artists are getting paid through streaming similar to how you know content creators are getting paid or paid whether it be reels bonuses or adsense on youtube it's the same thing syncs can be a really big way of making money which is getting your song synced in a commercial a tv show a movie that's a really good way of making money obviously touring merch so some people believe there's not money in music but there is definitely money there's in music if you're money. if you're independent 
and you have your own system and you cultivate it yourself like an ecosystem, which is what I've been building and what I'm so excited to continue to expand vastly this year, you can make really good money if you put out a lot of music, you know, because if you have a catalog of music, that music lives forever. It could go viral or pick up streams years down the road that's constantly paid for in perpetuity from your that's from your so royalties. Nice. The bigger you get, the more everything else picks up. And I've learned a lot from Russ being very vocal about all of these things and how he's made a lot of money. And I mean, tons of money because he has so many songs. He has such a catalog that every time one of his songs picks up, the other ones pick up. And so it is like, sense. yeah, it's just one person listens to one song. They want to listen to another to see absolutely. if they like this artist. Yeah, I do the same thing. And so by having a big catalog of music, that's like that to me is so exciting because that's constant revenue that's coming in that has so much upside in return. For not only the current moment, but for the future. And that's why for me, I just, I'm like so excited. Is there a reason why you have not gone dependent with a studio? Or is that how you say it? Haven't, why have you not wanted a record deal? Because I know you've had opportunities and you've talked to managers and things like that. Is it something you're not into? Is it something that- I think it just depends on the situation, number one. It really depends on the deal specifically. But for an artist of my size, I don't have much leverage to be able to tell a label, no, I don't. I I want more because I have more to bring to the table. Of course, my potential and what I know I'm going to do, I have more to the table. But just like any business deal, they're going to look at what's currently there and they're going to say, hey, if you want to get to here, this is how much money we're going to put into you. These are our resources. This is our value to you. So you don't have that much leverage as an artist when you're when you're smaller, obviously. So you have to in today's day and age, you have to really build up your own audience and build up the skill sets to be able to have the leverage in order to have a deal where it makes sense. Because a, a record deal is really just a bad bank loan. You know, and, and I Ru- think you should and, get into that. And Russ actually talks about this where he says, he's like, if you want a record deal, you're better off just getting a bank loan. They're just better rates. Yes, they have resources which are super are valuable. helping with the marketing? Yeah, so I think it's just depending on the person. Like if you don't have the resources or the entrepreneurial drive to want to build and cultivate your own business, then taking a deal as soon as you can might be a good fit because maybe it's going to be a lot harder for you to get there. But usually if you're at that size, the deals you're going to be getting are very not in your favor. Do you have an example of a deal you've seen go through that you're like, wow, that was such a shitty, shitty deal? I mean, I know people personally that are in really bad deals. All right, let's hear it. No I don't names. know this. I don't know the specifics. Well, because like, you're saying it's a bad rate. Like, what do you mean by that? If I get a $100,000 record deal, what does that equate to? What does that mean? What do I pay back? So why would it be a good idea for an artist to say no to a record deal? In general, it really depends because... A deal could work in favor of an artist. It's just, it's really dependent on the person and what their resources are and what they're willing to do. But their traditional record deals have been absolutely horrible for artists. So the way that it works, if a record label gives you a million dollars, right? They're like, oh my God, here's a million dollars. Most people are- Most people are going to be like, oh my God, I got a million dollars. But it's a loan that you have to pay back. So let's say it costs- $100,000 to produce the album. You have to pay back the label $1.1 million. Ooh. So it's not free money. No, no, no. It's not free money. You have to pay it back. And so you're getting a 20% typically royalty rate on that money. So that means that if it costs 1.1 to fund the artists, right? If you have to pay back $1.1 million and they're giving you a 20% royalty rate on that, that means so that every dollar has to make 5.5 million. Yeah. For you to break even. For you to even start making money on top of the million you just got. Yeah, and the shittiest part of it is that you're you're making that money back at a 20% royalty rate, meaning that every dollar that comes in, you're only getting 20% of that. So you're getting 20 cents and that 20 cents needs to go towards paying, paying it, back. it back. And then after you've paid it back, only after it's paid back you can start actually earning royalties yourself, which is still 20%. And then they, you said this before, they own the master. So not only- Well, depending, but okay. most likely in a deal like this, in traditional record deals, they own the masters. This is why 
you hear so many things about bad deals is because some of our favorite artists today that we grew up on. Like Taylor Swift had a bad deal. And this is, that's kind of like the example is that she's probably getting 20. She probably, and I don't know the specifics of her deal, but she was probably getting 20% of what her album was bringing in and not even owning it. Meaning she can't probably make the decisions about what's happening with the masters and to not own your masters of your music Someone could sell your catalog. They can do anything they want with it and you don't have say over it. That's your work. That's your name. That's your likeness that someone is literally taking advantage of. And this is what we've seen time and time and time again. So we have so many artists and people that are more forthcoming now with information to protect people from these bad deals because we've seen this happen in, in other industries as well. But record deals are terrible loans who is making the money just the record labels because i was talking to one of my good friends and her boyfriend actually produces music for really high level djs mm-hmm. like think of like david getta those types of people like right. super a-list yep. musicians and he got paid him and his partner his producing partner got paid three hundred thousand dollars which sounds like a lot to produce five songs for this one artist they didn't get paid Till they finished all five songs. It took three years from them to finish all five songs. And you're like, five songs, that's so easy. No, they produced over 20 songs for this artist. And the artist had to say yes to five songs. And so if he didn't say yes, if he didn't like the music, and he, or he said, I changed my mind, I don't like this song anymore, I need to make another one. They did not get paid until all five songs were done. And I was yeah. just like... At the very least, I was like, oh, I know. I From you, I've heard that like the actual musicians get screwed over. But I was like, the producers, the audio engineers, like everyone in between is getting fucked over. How do you not- It's a huge issue. How do you not get paid for three years until it's done, completely done? And the artist and the record label has a say over if you've actually done the five songs, even though they've done over 20 songs for this one artist. And so I was just like, wow, like, I thought he was like rich, rich. He's not making much money because he's dedicating most of his time to this one artist to finish everything up. And of course he's it's, working with other artists as well, but. Yeah, and, and that's just one example of so many. And the, the crazier part about the record deal yeah. that I didn't even get into is that what happened in the past was like artists didn't really know that all of their costs for, I don't know, let's get a private jet. Let's mm. do this. Those are all expenses that go into the deal that have to be paid back on top of whatever the money that they gave you. Okay. So like you're saying that if to record my session, I need to fly to New York City and I live in LA. And you're like, you know what? Let's get a private jet. Dumb, but uh, yeah, I get that. Right. And you're like, oh, the studio will pay for this because it's an expense to make my song. Mm-hmm you still have to pay for that back. So every yeah. decision you make, even if you're like, oh, I don't like this music video, let's throw this music video out, let's film another one, that's all you. Mm-hmm. Or let's say the music studio is like, I don't like this music video, you need to make another one. You have to pay for that? Mm-hmm. <gasps> so I know artists that, I don't think they realize that, and they spent quite a bit of money waffling about music videos, oh, let's film another one, da da da, and they don't realize that that's their money that they have to pay back. They think that the label's just funding it. Like they don't realize that everything that they're doing is going onto uh, a balance sheet of an expense that needs to be paid back. That's why it's kind of sad when they probably realized it's like, yeah, the label will pay for it up front, but then you're paying it back out of your 20% cut. So, and then until it's all paid back, you're not getting any money. In their brains, it's not even their money because they never see the money because it's a royalty mm-hmm. from the future or a royalty that they just haven't been paid be- for years because they haven't And we haven't anything. even talked about taxes. A lot of people didn't realize that they had to also pay taxes on that money that they were given. So oh, the advance? You, yeah, you think you got a oh. million dollars. You're like, I got a million dollars. Little do you know you have to pay, what, 40, 50, 50% of that? So all of a sudden now you have 500,000. Now all of a sudden your money just starts to disappear. And then that million dollars really isn't as valuable as you once thought because now you're also funding a lifestyle. So you actually are way better off getting a loan because you will not be paying taxes on a loan. But because it's a record label advancement and I'm sure their terms don't look like a loan because it's not 20% APR, it's a 20% royalty that gets paid back. I this is why financial literacy is so important and it, it really upsets me when people are not financially literate and it, it's not their fault but it really upsets me that financial literacy is not 
taught in school. I agree with you. Or even comfortably talked about mm -hmm. amongst, let alone friends, but business partners, businesses, when you're signing a loan like that, or mm -hmm. you don't even think of it's a loan. You think it's free money. You're like, oh yeah, they believe in me so much. They're giving me money. Mm -hmm. Artists, actors, whatever they're being taken advantage of by some bigger entity that act is acting like they're doing it for them, but they're really just doing it for themselves. It's Everyone's a business at the end of the day. Themselves, yeah. You know, so the art, the label only cares because they want to make money from you and they're going to give you the worst rate possible because they're just good business people, quote unquote, you know, and Bradley Martin was actually talking about it. That's his name, really? right? He's uh, on the Full Send podcast. He also has his own podcast and stuff like that. I don't know if you know who he is. When he got his first million dollars or whatever, he didn't realize that he had to pay so much on taxes. He ended up owing tons of money because he didn't realize this. And it was a hard lesson for him to learn. Taxes is like the worst thing to pay. Just Yeah. Um, is there like anything else you wish you knew when you were first starting out in the music industry? Because for me, I'm like, I feel like I'm learning so much. Like I, I didn't know how people got paid. You got paid on streams, but also publishing. Like how does that work? Like what are things you kind of wish you knew starting out? I don't think that I wish I knew anything specific regarding the business side of things, okay. but more, you know, I moved out to LA with bright eyes and, you know, wanting, wanting opportunity, you know, to get in room in studios with people and learn. And I did. And I realized most of the people that I met are just like people that I would never want to be around. And it gave me toxic? such a bad taste in my mouth because there's just such like an ego culture and music where people don't want to show love because it like it's like a shot at their ego well they're only going to work with people at their level and like it's really sad and unfortunate that there is so much ego involved in music like I don't like the music industry because people are just shady and I've experienced it firsthand like I made some friends and like became good friends with someone and pretty talented producer and I'll never forget he literally like turned off my music when I was showing it to him and he just like shat on me and like put me down about it. And I was just like, say? I just remember being like, yo, I got this record. I want to like, I want to show it to you. And I had been going in sessions because I was helping out an artist friend who is a rapper. And I was going and taking like photos and videos and stuff like that. And that was also a value add for me because I'm like, okay, if I can add value by doing this skill, I can learn and be around and be in the studio and learn from these people that are talented and more talented than me at the time. And I was like, okay, I want, like, I've built up a good relationship with this person. Like, we play basketball, like, whatever. He's like a friend. I want to share him one of my songs, like, get his opinion. And I, like, played it for him. And midway through, maybe within, like, the first 30 seconds, he just turned it off and, like, left. He's like, let's go get food. And I was like, so, I was like. I'm so fucking annoyed. I was just, like, so, upset. like, heartbroken in that moment. Like, this one person that I had Looked a lot of respect and value, I was genuinely seeking his feedback and he just turned it off. And then when we were like eating, I was like, he made some joke and I was just like, oh yeah, maybe you'll have to listen to my music next time. And then he's like, ah, oh, yeah, I just like didn't fuck with it at all. Like I just did not fuck with it. And I was just like, okay, like, is there any like feedback, you know, you can give me? And he's like, yeah, like the bass, like da da da, like you need to spend more time on that. Like, can you even recognize like, like a point four like decibel increase on the bass? Like, you need to be thinking about like that. And I was just like, all right, thank you. I'm going to take this. And you took like, it on the chin. I'd I took, be like, I took it. I took it on the chin and told them like, yo, I'm going to make a million dollars off of the fact that you just told me that. Yeah. You shutting me down. I'm going to turn that into a million dollars. I love people that can take criticism and say, I'm going to fucking prove you wrong. Cause yeah, so I said it, people. I said it to his eyes and I was so pissed off. I was just like, dude, what a fucking shitty person. Do I know this person? No. Is he even relevant anymore in the music no. industry? Oh, well, maybe. Maybe. I have no idea. Oh, okay. You yeah. haven't caught up with him or no. talked to him since? That just left a bad taste. And I don't really like hold emotions and grudges, or at least I don't try to. That one was just tough because it was someone that I like looked up to, was like excited to like know and just genuinely like liked. He could have said a million other things. You know, just giving some form of like positive and then giving constructive feedback but there wasn't constructive feedback with his what he said about the bass and stuff it was him he trying was to treat me yeah he was being a complete asshole sure i forgive him or whatever but i don't like forget like that just motivates me to be like yo fuck you do you think like you are like a tenth of the way there to your goal of being like i'm gonna make a fucking million dollars off of this advice <laughs> mm. 
close. Yeah. You can build a like a successful ecosystem to make music off of again it's or to make money off of it's a business so you have to treat it in the same way and there's other artists i see out there like la russell for example he's an independent artist who is just building his own fan base selling things directly of throwing shows at his house in vallejo charging people making literal money and giving things away for free and just kind of funneling back into this whole like business ecosystem that he's focused on cultivating so the way that i see it for me it's it's either like go big or go home i mean to me like this was so fun to talk about because for me i feel like i i ask you about these things but i guess i've never like really asked you about the business side of things Mm because you know it is uncomfortable and i think it's so cool that you're able to share that like aspect of everything now that you're taking it seriously because i think this is your first time in your career where you've burned the boats in a way yeah no i definitely have yeah i mean we could definitely uh you know, talk more about this. I have so many more stories, um, but the next steps are starting to put out music and make short form content, like Woo! figuring out what my content strategy is and testing stuff out on TikTok, on IG reels, YouTube shorts is huge. Yeah. So y'all better be on the lookout because I'm about <laughs> to start putting hella content out. I believe in you so much and Thank I you. would not even be with you if I didn't because <laughs> imagine if like I really was like, that's like I, if I you can't were, fall in love with this man until I hear his song. Ma- that's like if I were to fall in love with you and you're like, I'm a content creator and I look at it and it's just terrible, terrible. cringy content and it's not successful. I'd be like, that would change the way that I would view you. Oh, 100%. Like, hey, if you want to be cringy and stuff and it's working, <laughs> that's one thing. Yeah. But if, if it's, it's not, not even working, working and it's cringy, we're cutting that off quick. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, this was, this was good. I love talking about this stuff. And I love hearing more about you in content these are things we don't really sit around and talk about of course i know glimpses and pieces along the way but i love having these conversations it's like our life you know we're focused on content and i think we need to talk about this stuff more i'd love if people had like questions or comments even for tiffany or if there's anyone interested about like music and stuff like that would love to hear but yeah if you guys have questions for tiffany about being a content creator i feel like yeah but i'm just saying i think that there's a lot of people that with the success that you've had, you know, would love to maybe know a little bit more about more of your journey or ways that they can implement things that you know, because you've worked with so many big global brands, which is nuts. And, uh, there's a lot to learn. Hell yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, tuning in, make sure to subscribe, like hit us with that five star rating. My voice is giving out. I know. And, um, you know, shoot us a comment, let us know your thoughts, but, uh, bye guys. Bye guys.